thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message. Hello, Victory Church. I'm Oscar Ortiz, and I get to serve as the OKC campus pastor. We're so grateful that you're joining us today and also want to welcome everyone joining us online. Let me remind you, next Sunday, Pastor John is back with us, and I know he's ready to preach. So make sure you come back next week and join us once again because I know it's going to be a blessing to your life. One of the cool things about Pastor John is that he allows other voices to come and speak and share and invest in our body. And today, we're so grateful and honored by that because we have a, a great team of preachers that are going to be sharing with us today. So would you please join me as we welcome our preaching team for this Sunday? Well, good morning. It's so good to see you. Um, I am Samantha Votaw, and I am the groups and outreach pastor here at the OKC campus. Yes. Um, if you are looking for a way to get involved, to meet some people, and to make a difference, those are two really good areas. So you can check it out on the Church Center app under groups or in either of our lobbies. We've got the big board with all the cards. So find a place to fit in. It makes church way more fun. I promise. So I'm excited to introduce you to this treat that is today. Welcome if you're joining us online too. It's not just a treat for here. It's a treat for you guys too. But we're not a regular treat. We're like one of those cheesecake samplers, right? It's not just a little bit of goodness. It's like five different kinds of goodness. So buckle up. Now we do have an allotted amount of time each. And if we go over, you might hear this. It's better than a buzzer, I guess. All right, so today the five of us will be unpacking Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And there is so much good content about who God is and what he's done for us that we'd better get started. So would you guys stand with me as we read God's word? You can follow along on the screens or in the YouVersion app. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Lord, we thank you so much 
for your incomparable grace. It's amazing. And it's always there. It's ever-present. And your love is ever-present. We thank you that today, as we hear about your word, it's going to spark something on the inside of us to know about all of the great things you've done for us and the great places we can go in you. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat. So when the Apostle Paul wrote this, he was writing to the church in Ephesus from prison. Now, this might come as a surprise to some of you, but um, I've never been to prison. But I have spent a ton of my life handcuffed and constrained by my own desires, thoughts, and actions, just like the people in those first three verses. So let's take a closer look at that. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were deserving of wrath. Now, I don't know about you, but wrath seems like a really terrible thing, right? But I have some good news, and it's point number one if you're taking notes. You can overcome the desires of the, the cravings of the flesh and stop following its thoughts and desires. Changing your life starts with changing your thoughts. Proverbs 23, 7 tells us that as a person thinks in his heart, so is he. And science is backing that up. According to functional neurologist Jerome Luba, only 3 to 5% of your brain activity is conscious. That means that 95 to 97% of your identity is formed on a subconscious level. The National Science Foundation found that the average person has between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts per day. Of those thousands of thoughts, 80% are negative, and 95% are the same thoughts as yesterday. That seems like a big thing to tackle, at least in my life, but Romans 12.2 tells us that it's possible. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. What we need is a complete transformation, exchanging our mind for the mind of Christ. If the Bible says it's possible, then there's hope for our minds to be permanently changed. But it's going to take some work on our part, and that brings me to point number two, because you have a choice. In the past 20 years, there have been as many discoveries about the brain as there were in the almost 2,000 previous years combined. Through imaging technology, scientists have confirmed that when you're stuck in a negative thought pattern, every time you have the same thought, you increase the chances of having it again. But don't be discouraged, because God built in something really cool called neuroplasticity. You have these neural networks, these repetitive thought grooves, and they can be changed through growth and reorganization. I love that. 
If we focus on God's word and all that he's done for us, it changes us from the inside out. I'm reading a really good book about this right now, and it's called Get Out of Your Head by Jenny Allen, and she gives a great strategy for taking your thoughts captive. I've always thought that you had to grab every anxious, you know, negative thought, lie of the enemy, and have something to combat it with. But her strategy is to stop and say, I have a choice. That has been a game changer for me. And if I have a choice, then you have a choice, right? Realizing that I get to choose what rolls around in my head enables me to stop and think about what I'm thinking about. For years, I would get stuck in these negative thought patterns. And sometimes it would take me a week or five years to unwind some of them. Now, it might only take me an hour or a day. Not five years, I don't think, anymore. Um, it takes some practice. But the cool thing is that the very art and discipline of practicing this is what creates the new neural pathways, which leads to our new 95 to 97% of our unconscious identity. I love that. Now, I know what you're thinking. Sam, stopping these thoughts sounds great. But what should I think about instead? That brings me to my third point, is that you already have everything that you need. Philippians 4, 8 and 9 gives us a perfect picture of what we need to do. Finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever's right and confirmed by God's word, Whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute. If there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things in daily life. And the God who's the source of peace and well-being will be with you. I love that. One strategy that I am using to help me do this is that I'm keeping a note in my phone and a note in my journal, and I'm writing out scriptures. So if I'm struggling with comparison, I look at Psalm 139. It tells me that I was knit together in my mother's womb and that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. It says that God's thoughts about me, about me, are precious and that they're vast, like there's so many of them. What if I'm overcome with fear? I go to Isaiah 41, where the Lord says, fear not, for he's with me. He says he'll strengthen me and he'll help me. I've also started writing out the things I'm grateful for, because Psalm 9 tells me to give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. It's really hard to be in a negative thought loop when you're thinking about God's grace. At our last baptism celebration, I even wrote down in my journal that if God can deliver Kevin Maples from a 23-year meth addiction, he can get me through today, right? There's no doubt you become what you repeatedly think about. It is possible to change your thinking. Romans says so. Once you know that, you can stop the lies and negative thoughts and replace them with God's truth, which will lead to godly actions and ultimately 
to the beautiful life the Lord has planned for you. You guys have got this. Please welcome my friend, Pastor Rich. Thank you, Pastor Sam. That was fabulous. Uh, I, I'm going to get out of my head here and uh, spend the next couple of moments with you. My name is Rich Wood, and my wife, Sherry, and I have the privilege of overseeing at both campuses, the Edmond and the OKC campus. Give it up for the Edmond campus this morning. Edmond, we love you. But um, we have the privilege of overseeing the marriage and family ministries. And I am so delighted uh, to have been married to my best friend, my bride of uh, this December will be 39 years that she has stayed with me. And I am grateful every day for that. I do want to make you aware that we have some tools that we can help you with in terms of your marriage. If you go to victory.church slash marriage, we have just a, a quick bio that you can fill out. And we have marriage coaches that are available at both campuses for you if, uh, if you and your spouse are either just getting started in marriage and or you've, you've come to some type of a challenge in your marriage, we would love to be able to help you for that. I am so appreciative of my fellow Five for Fivers here for allowing me to take verse 4 in this passage of Scripture. So I want to jump into that right away as you see up on your screen. But it says this, But because of his great love for you and I, God who is what? Rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. But the place that I want to spend the, the length of time here is on this last part, and it says this, it is by grace that you and I have been saved. It is by grace that you and I have been saved. The first thought that I want to give you is this, God's salvation and grace are given to those who believe. Have you, if you have not asked Christ into your heart and life, the, this morning you're going to be given an opportunity at the, at the end of this time to do that. But for those that have, God's grace has been given to you both for salvation and for blessing. Just as one man and woman stand before a pastor and a marriage ceremony and come into biblical covenant not only with each other but most of all for, with God, it is in that moment that they understand the covenant. And covenant is the promise made to humanity by God. He has chosen us. He has forgiven us. He has brought us into this amazing family that you're experiencing here this morning and in Edmond. He has made us his children and he has promised us eternal blessing. But let me make this point. He will never force you to come into his family. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? That he will not force you. He will say either you do this or this is going to happen to you. But he loves us. He offers us his love and forgiveness. He will never demand it of you. His love for us, his nature is to do good. And I love the, this thought. Every converted sinner is a saved sinner. That grace that saves you and me is a free, undeserved grace. I love going into a restaurant that gives me more than what I ordered. Oh, don't you love that? 
I didn't ask them for it. They said, you know what? I want to bless you as a customer, so we're going to give you a little addition here free of charge. It's not by anything that I can do to receive that. They just simply do it because of the grace that they have in their heart. The second thing is this. God's grace is given to us to cover us and to empower us. Now, earlier in the book of Romans, Paul also points out in the first and second verse, well, then should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? And then Paul goes, hey, pay attention. Of course not. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Paul is rejecting any thought of embracing or continuing to allow a person to stay in that sinful life. But his encouragement is towards holiness. As a Christ follower, we should be keenly aware of the culture around us and the influence of that culture around us. I mean, can you not see what the culture is doing in this day and time? Paul is saying grace is not given to us as a cheap tool to continue to embrace sin. It doesn't mean that you can live like a, like a sinful sailor six days a week and then come to church and it's all forgiven. But it's because of the blessing of grace that you and I can stand before God and say, as your children, we have an opportunity to come in and to hug our Father. Grace does, not, grace does, grace does cover all of our sin, but grace doesn't leave us in our sin. You know, sometimes also in the Western church especially, we turn our lives over to Christ that all the suffering that we have ever had to deal with and are dealing with is all of a sudden eliminated in our daily lives. You know, Sherry and I have some very close friends here in the metro, and we have heard the amazing story of what God has done in their life as they have wrestled with wayward children, as they have wrestled with life-threatening disease and divorce and other life challenges. But here's the statement that this individual made to me not long ago. They simply said this, grace to us is his strength, listen to this, his strength to walk through gut-wrenching times, to face it, and to make it through those things that are beyond our ability. It comes when you are in the situation. Grace doesn't come before the situation. Grace doesn't come after the situation. It comes in the very middle of the most difficult situation that you can face. It is only by his grace that any of us can experience life change salvation for our sins. How do I know that? Because as an eight-year-old, I asked Jesus Christ to come in to my heart and life. As a 13-year-old middle school kid, I saw God do a miracle in my physical body of, of healing me from alopecia where all of my hair fell out. I didn't deserve it as a 21-year-old that was running from the full-time call of ministry on my life while attending a Christian university. But in all those cases until today, he has been there. He has not given up on me. The free gift of grace has been mine to embrace and to walk in, and I am blessed because of it. That is the God that you and I serve. That's the God that we can embrace. And now it is my honor to introduce to you my dear friend, Pastor Yolanda Caro. Hello. 
I am Yolanda, and um, I am the pastor over our care ministries, our freedom ministries, and our prayer team. And what that boils down to, I don't have time to go through all of that, but what it boils down to is I have the absolute best role here at the church because I get to... um, I get to know you, all of you, and I get to be um, involved in your lives. I get to um, work with you. So if there's any of you um, that want to work with people up close and personal and see people set free and see people healed, um, come talk to me because I've got a place for you. Um, Today, today's passage that we are talking about is really just the foundation of Christianity. And in verses six and seven, it focuses on our position in Christ. One of the defining characteristics of Christianity is the fact that Christ was raised from the dead. But what we don't usually hear with that is that not only was he raised from the dead, but we were raised with him. And that's my first point for you today, that you were raised. You were raised. And that word raised means elevated to a higher position. And I want you guys to to hear and to realize you were elevated. You were elevated from a place of death to a place of life. In In Colossians chapter 1, it tells us that we were once alienated from God. We were separated from him. But um, when we were raised, we were raised from a place of alienation to a place of being together with Christ. So you were raised. You were raised from a place of sickness to a place of health, from a place of confusion to a place of clarity. Listen, listen, it doesn't get any better than that. There's nothing you're ever going to face in this life that can stand up against this fact. There's no disappointment, there's no high and there's no low that can ever stand in front of this and, and stand against it. But you, listen, you have to remember. I encourage you to remember. In your life, remember who you are. Remember that you have been raised. Now, I want to take a minute and I want to introduce you guys to one of the cutest members in my family. This is Lucy. Isn't she cute? She's also goes by the name Lucy Bear or Baby Bear. But um, I don't want you to be fooled by how cute she is because um, this next picture gives you a little better representation of what she's really like. She is one of the most sassy dogs you're ever going to meet. And she will come up to you so cute with those eyes and that little nose and want to cuddle up next to you. But in moments after you let your guard down, she is all feet and teeth and she's ready to wrestle. Um, But in this next picture you're going to see, this is her favorite spot in the house right? She loves to sit here. She sits up on this spot and she can see out the door and it's like she's lording over the rest of us, right? And she loves it. She really thinks that that's where she belongs. Um, But that's my second point to you is that we've been seated. God has seated us. And um, just like Lucy, she has seated herself in this place of authority where she actually doesn't belong in our house, right? But God God is the one that seated you in your place of authority. God seated you in your place of authority. And here's the truth. God really didn't ask your permission of whether or not you wanted to be seated in that place of authority. He wasn't interested in whether or not you felt like you belonged in that place of authority. He chose to sit you in that place of authority. But what happens is we often disqualify ourselves, right? Um, But the thing about Lucy is every time I see her in that seat, I tell her to get down. And every time I tell her to get down and I turn around, she's right back up in that seat, 
right, over and over and over again. She, she gets right back up in that seat because she really believes that she belongs there. But I want to encourage you guys. I want you to be like Lucy. And you know what? The world is going to tell you to get down out of your seat that you don't belong there. Stay in your seat. Stay in your seat. Your thoughts are going to tell you you don't belong there. Stay in your seat. Your own behaviors and choices are going to tell you that you don't belong in that seat. I want to encourage you, stay in your seat. And if you do happen to get down out of your seat, get back up. Get back up. It's your seat. You can always get back up in your seat. It's waiting for you. You know, do you ever wonder why God keeps going around this mountain with us? Why does he keep doing this with us? Well, verse 7 gives you one reason. One reason. Uh, Verse 7 says this, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Here's the reality. Point number three is God is using you. And I don't mean that he has these great works planned for you that he wants to use you to do. That is very true. And he's going to talk about that in a couple of verses. But that's not what I'm talking about. And what I'm talking about is he's using you. He's using you. You are his visual. Just like Lucy was my visual, you are his visual. Um, He wants to, he is pouring out his love and his grace on you because in the ages to come, he's going to use it as an example to show everybody how great he is. Not how great we are, how great he is. So listen, because of that, listen, we do not have to shrink back from the love that he shows us. We don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to feel unworthy Because he wants us to receive this. This is something that he has done for us and given to us. He understands who we are. He understands how we are. He understands what we are. And he chose to do it anyway. So I want to encourage you guys. He wants to show you love that you don't deserve. He wants to show you grace that you can't earn. He wants to sit you in a seat that you feel like you don't deserve to be in. But he said that you do deserve to be in that seat. So listen. Walk in the incredible grace and love that he has poured out for you. Sit in the seat that he has chosen to put you in. We talk about worshiping God. We talk about lifting God up. There is not a better way that you can worship God, that you can lift him up, that you can glorify him than walking in and receiving his love and grace and sitting in the seat that he has given to you. How do I know that's true? Because he's the one that said it in his word. I didn't say it. You don't have to feel it. He said it. Accept it. Receive it. Remind yourself of it when you don't feel like it and sit in your seat. All right? All right. All right. Now, I'd like for you to welcome Pastor Moises. Thank you, Pastor Joe. Hi, guys. My name is Moises Pichardo. You don't need to roll the R. Uh, I have the privilege and honor to be the campus pastor for Victor Iglesia. As you may not know, thank you, you may not know that we have a Spanish campus here in Oklahoma City every Sunday at 2 p.m. So if you guys have friends that speak Spanish or Hispanic people, just invite them to come here. We worship in Spanish. We preach in Spanish. They get saved in Spanish. Okay, let's jump from there. just like they introduce you with this uh, cheesecake fact. Okay, guys, uh, I am from Mexico, so it's going to have some salsa on it. I know it's a cheesecake, but we're going to put some jalapenos and serrano salsa over there on the top. Because since I'm Mexican, I may not look like it. But uh, 
this is part of the blessing that I have talking about the word of God in this point. Whenever we're talking about the verse 8 and 9, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, For it is being by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. I want to give a little bit of a touch over here on the part. When I was reading another, another version, it says, If we did, we'll probably go around bragging that we've done the whole thing. Mm -mm. No, you can't. You can brag about stuff that you think it is yours. It is by a gift of God, not by works, not by works so that no one can boast. I love it. Okay, let's, let's start with the word grace. Whenever we're going to the word of God, whenever we're going to a dictionary, and the Bible dictionary says that grace means divine favor manifested in the life of Jesus Christ. The secular dictionary tells you, that grace means received as a gift. So you have a gift, but it comes from God. So guys, I think this is something very special. Particularly this is for me. When I was thinking on it, no one asked God to come to he from heaven. Am I right? Nobody asked God to come to earth and become a man. And nobody said, yeah, can you God come here and fix some around in my life because I'm lost so is there any way you can do it no nobody did it there's no way somebody asked it but guys there's one thing it is true those that are Christians those that know that knows the word of God we know it says in in, in the word of God Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 through 11 that he came and took our place and he died for our sins he did, and it was on the Old Testament. So you have a huge privilege right here. You know the Word of God. That's the reason you, you must know about what God is doing. I want to go to one point. Man gives based on love. Man moves by interest. He gives moved by interest or motivated by emotions. Mm. And this is right here interesting. Uh, I told you guys I'm Hispanic. And I grow in a church with my mom and my sister. So my mom was part of the deal about cleaning the church. You may grow in an old church. So like, okay, by families. Uh, the family of Raquel Burgos is cleaning the church this coming week. And I'm like, mom, that's you, my sister, and me. My sister was eight and I was seven. So the entire family are cleaning church. <laughs> so... I get excited of the fact that we get there in the church, the buckets and water and everything. And suddenly I ask my mom, mom, um, so how many times are we going to clean the church this year? She says, uh, I don't know. Why? Well, I assume if we are cleaning the church, we're going to heaven, right? And she's like, uh, son, I think that doesn't work that way. Mom, is there any way that we're not cleaning the church anymore? Well, anyway. So it doesn't work like that. God, God is so, so amazing. God gives, and I want you to think about it. God gives based on love, not because you want to get it. God gives based on love, moved by love, motivated by love. Just because he loves us. That's all he thinks. He loves us. Your faith is not considered as a payment for your salvation. Actually, our faith is considered as a proof that you trust in God's love. 
You trust that he loves you the way you are. And, and they already say it. Now go to verse 9. It says on verse 9. Not by works so that no one can boast. Hmm. Sad thing is that in, in my country. They teach people to do good deeds. They are taught to do something. And you see people walking miles from city to city, town to town, and they go on their knees. And I said this with respect. It's sad that they need to do all this stuff. But they, are ha they have not been taught to read the Bible. Guys, believe it or not, they are taught to do traditional things, but not to read the Bible. They go to church as a part of their tradition, but they have never been taught on the Bible. Now, let's be realistic on this thought. You can boast your personal possessions. You can say you have your car, your house, you have money, you have this. You can boast your abilities. You can boast that you can hold your breath for five minutes under the water if you want to. But you cannot boast on eternal life. You cannot boast on grace because it's not yours. It's being given by God. See, if God is the one that gave it to us, you cannot brag around that it's yours. No, it's not ours. So, guys, we are not betting to win. We're not betting to win. You are committing your life based on a true love to Christ. And I want to close with this, guys. Don't try to go to heaven because you're scared of hell. A lot of people are scared to go to hell. So I got to go to church. So I go do good deeds and I go do good stuff. Don't do it that way. I actually want to invite you. Do it because Jesus loves you. Do it because Jesus regenerates you. Because Jesus justifies you. Because Jesus cleans you. Sanifies you. Because Jesus pays and he gives your sins on the cross. Because he loves you the way you are. So now I introduce Pastor Kevin Daniels. God bless you all. Amen, amen, amen. Woo, that's hot fire. That's good. Listen, my name is Kevin Daniels. I get the honor and privilege to serve as the worship pastor here at OKC, and I love it. I love worshiping with you each and every week. Man, it's such a blessing, but I won't take up too much time. I'm going to jump right in. Um, verse 10, um, verse 10, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says this, For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This passage of scripture is so great. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 through 10 is a picture of the before and after of our lives. It's what we look like before Christ Jesus came into our lives and then now this new life that we have. You can look at it this way. As Paul writes this letter, it's an intercession that led him to speak the power of God shown supremely in raising Christ Jesus from the dead. It's also a prayer to the readers that we may know that spiritual power in such a measure in our own lives. Verse 1 through 3 clearly depict this. It describes how low sin drags us down. It says things like, we were dead in our sin. We were enslaved in sin. We were condemned in our sin. Then the next few verses talks about how high Christ lifts us up. If you read the Bible, it's really good. I'm telling you. It says we were made alive. We were raised up in Christ. And then we were seated with Christ in heavenly places. Verse 8 and 9 talks about the transformation of what we were to what we are now. 
It says, for by grace you have been saved. And you have to identify that it's nothing that you could have done that could have contributed to, to your salvation other than provide the sin in which you needed to be saved from. That's the only thing we could have done to contribute to our salvation was provide the sin in which we needed to be saved from. This is great. Uh, there's two things I want to talk about. First and foremost, it is we are his handiwork. We are God's masterpiece. Each and every one of us in this room are God's handiwork. We are his masterpiece. You see, the work of God in Christ Jesus can be described as a gift, a new life, a gift of salvation. It's proven that we could not accomplish this on our own. That's why we call it God's new creation. You see, this new life that we are in, this new nature, it's part of God's design and plan. It's a part of his worksmanship. The word handiwork in the Greek has this great connotation of a work of art. You see, God's handiwork is the outworking of God's grace in our lives. I'll say that again. You missed it. God's handiwork is an outworking of God's grace in our lives. The reason I know that is because when you look at verse 1, it says we were dead in our sins. You weren't broken. You were dead. You weren't messed up. You were dead. You weren't trying to get it right. You were dead. But then verse 4 says, but God. It says, but God. Verse 1, you were dead. Verse 4, but God. That right there is the outworking of, of grace. My wife told me to get this right. Uh, uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot. Sir Mix-a-Lot says uh, this song, I like big butts. Right? So if in verse 1, we're dead. Verse 4, we got a big butt. Right? Verse 4, we got a big butt. Because it was nothing but God and his grace that allowed you to go from death to life. Amen? You went from death to life. You see, God has done a work in your life so that you can do his work in your life. So that you can do God's work. I'll say it. God did a work in your life so that you can do his work in your life. So that you can do his work in your life. The Bible talks about bringing us from death to life, him bringing us to this new place, him raising us up. And we see that because, once again, we were dead in our transgressions, in our sins. But God, but God. The next thing I want you to look at is good work. God created us to do a good work because God did a good work. See, this word good, it, it, it means beautiful, fine, and nice. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine so bright before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father who's in heaven. That they may see your beautiful work, your nice work, your fair work. They may see you working on behalf of Jesus Christ, being the hands and feet of Jesus, and they'll give glory to the Father. This word good in the Greek means kalos. Kalos. It means beautiful. God did a beautiful work in your life. God did a beautiful work in my life. You see, the interesting thing is we were all dead in sin. We were all sinking deep in sin, sinking to rise no more. But the master, but the master who did his masterpiece stepped into your life. And now, today, today we are his worksmanship. In Paris, in Paris, the Louvre Museum has this, uh, this painting one of the most famous pieces of art you'll ever see or hear about, the most talked about, the most sung about, the most parody, it's called the Mona Lisa. You see, the Mona Lisa at one point in time 
was, was valued over $100 million. Today, $898 million is crazy, but it's this valuable piece of art that Leonardo da Vinci created. You see, Leonardo da Vinci took a blank canvas, a paintbrush and some paint, and began to place a stroke here and a stroke there and a stroke here. And over time, he began to smooth out. And over time, he had this masterpiece, this most valuable masterpiece. Church, I come to let you know that the God we serve has that same kind of talent, but so much better. You see, he begins to take what's broken and beat down and busted and disgusted and divorced and misused and on drugs and in jail. He begins to take that and place a stroke there and smooth out. And he takes the broken and blank canvases of our lives and he turns them into masterpieces. That's God's good work. That's God's good work working in our lives that he takes us where we were in sin and decides to raise us up, to dust us off, to change our hearts and our lives, and now we are his masterpiece. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in his presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.